Well, a good morning to everyone, and uh, it's good to see your faces, a number of you that I know, and a few that I have not met yet, uh, but God bless you all for coming and being part of the Bible school here. My subject this morning, I want to speak on study methods for the Word of God. This is a rather simple title. Study Methods for the Word of God. And you may have been told that I would be speaking about how to do character study. This is not directly um, uh, applied just to character study, but it's a more general one. But it would certainly apply to character studies. You go through that this week. I do struggle a bit with my voice, so I'll just trust the Lord will help me get through and be able to share. So this morning, I would like to inspire your heart to study the Word of God, and we're going to look at a few of the principles in studying the Word of God. But I don't have just everything, a mechanical method on how to study the Word of God because I believe one of the first things that must be applied, if you want to call it a tool, that is desire. And it has to go beyond just a desire to acquire knowledge. But if you want to study and actually get something out of the Word of God, you need to apply your heart. And in Proverbs chapter 2, it says this, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, that word incline. Bend your ear toward, incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous, he is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. So if you seek for it and search for it as for treasure, you will be rewarded. If you approach it with only a mechanical thought of, well, this is my duty, uh, you may not get much out of it because God is looking for desire. God says that he will pour out water upon him that is thirsty. In Matthew thirteen fifty two, Jesus said these words, Therefore every scribe, 
which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. So as you go through life studying the scriptures, you will become familiar with many of them, but you will continue to find new and hidden treasures as you go through. And you will go over and over some things and to the point where it may seem like old things. But out of your treasure house, you can bring things new and old, Jesus said. So I'd first like to talk about desire. Desire is that first tool you must bring to a study of the Word of God. 1 Peter 2, 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. So you have desire there, desire the sincere milk. And for what reason? That ye may grow thereby. If you have little desire to grow or actually be changed by that which you are taking in, probably not much will happen. Because God pours out water upon him that is thirsty. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I would like to speak also on several other aspects of study. I'll just list them. There is context. There is the matter of comparing Scripture with Scripture. There is... The matter of searching the meaning of words. We may not dwell on that much, but uh, there are tools available for study. But I would say, just do it. If you really want to learn about the Word of God, then apply yourself to study. Pick a subject. It doesn't have to be the most important one. Just pick a subject and start studying. Dig into it. Apply some of these principles of learning how to study it in context. Comparing scripture with scripture. Searching the meaning of words. So this morning I have several passages I would like to look at. They pertain to this topic. And they uh, will also be instructive as we go through it and apply some of these principles. One of the verses or passages we want to look at is 2 Timothy. You don't need to turn to it yet. We'll actually be looking at uh, one in James. But it says to study, to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So there you have the word study. Study to show thyself approved unto God. There's that desire. You want to do more than just fill your head with knowledge, but you want to do so that you might be approved unto God. 
Now, I also have a, a little bit of an illustration this morning. I have in my pocket, had in my pocket here, some gold coins. Now, we just read here in Proverbs that if thou searchest for her as for hid treasures. Now, gold is usually sought for as a treasure. Okay? So I have these two gold coins. And though you can't see them real well from where you are, these uh, what you're seeing is gold. Um, they're not identical. Both of them are in a plastic case to keep your fingerprints off. Um, and if you were to look at them uh, side by side, you would see other differences. They are not identical coins, but they are both gold. Now, the Bible talks about gold in a number of places. One that might come to mind is in uh, Psalm 19, where it talks about the Word of God. And it says that God's precepts, his word, his counsels, and so on, are more to be desired than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. But we have gold here this morning. And um, I've had reason to need to acquaint myself with gold coins. So I've learned a bit about gold coins, and that was only fairly recent, because most times I don't see gold coins, and I dare say many of you probably haven't either. Um, now we're going to talk, the Word of God says more about gold coins, or gold. In fact, Jesus said that we should buy gold. You know where he tells us that? Any of you young men think where Jesus tells us to buy gold? Ryan? Would it be Revelation? Yes, it is. Jesus said, I counsel thee to buy of me gold. So just for illustration, I'm going to uh, do a short-term loan, so you can see this. Those of you who sit in the very front here will be privileged to have a short-term loan of these gold coins. Now, I will ask for it at the, later or maybe at the end of the session. I do want them back. I counsel thee, Jesus said, to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. Now, a bit later, we're going to look at the context of that and consider it further. But now for a little bit of a shift, I 
want to take you to the book of James, chapter 1. I'd like for you to turn there in your Bibles to James, chapter 1. And I just, I just picked this passage as, as having some of the elements I'd like to talk about this morning. Uh, it, is, it actually does pertain to our, to our topic here about the Word of God. And it will be somewhat of an illustration of how we might go through a, a personal study method. Now, I will say, perhaps uh, what we will be doing this week in character study, when you're in a group session, there may be a few different methods or ways that you would go through a study as you do it together. What I'm speaking about here is more of your personal uh, study. And there might be different methods, but... And, and maybe I should preface this by, before we go into this particular passage, is just to say that there are a number of things that we should be practicing and applying overall to familiarize ourselves with the Word of God, and that is to read it, read it much, to memorize it, to internalize it. But then beyond that, as you need to come to a place where you are willing to apply some effort to study, that you might correctly understand what God wants to tell you. And not just to have a head knowledge, but that your life might be guided, that might be instructed, that you might grow by the things that you learn. So let's look at this passage, James chapter 1, and let's begin in verse 17. And I'll just read down through this. This might be in your uh, personal devotions. You would read this passage. Every good gift... And every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass." For he beholdeth himself, 
and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So, in this passage, there are a number of topics addressed. There are some general things, themes, um, and one could spend a long time studying all of them. So I won't be able possibly to cover all of the topics that you might actually dig into and study in a passage like this. But let's begin at the first one um, and understand that there is a context. There is context here and James is giving some admonitions and we won't have time to read what came prior. But if you wanted to correctly understand a passage, it's good to read beyond just a few of the verses. But we broke in here in verse 17. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And I'll just mention that in this verse, as I see things that would capture my attention for study, is there are three things we are told about God in this verse. He is called the Father of lights. This is not what he's doing. This is what he is. He is the Father of lights. Now, if you wanted to study that further, you could study, uh, for example, in... um, First John chapter 1, you would compare a scripture that speaks about God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That parallels what it says here is the father of lights. And then it says, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Did God need to tell us this? Yes, he did. There's a reason why he tells us these things. And as you read through a passage devotionally, meditatively, with the intent of letting your heart and life be changed by the word of God, here are some things about God that you are told from God. He informs you what his character is like. And it should start, you know, settling in on our hearts. We don't need to turn to a commentary initially. We'll speak about commentaries a bit later, but you don't need to be intimidated by the theologians. You just need a heart that desires to understand God and a heart that wants to seek after God 
to desire it, to seek after it as hid treasure. Verse 18. Of his own will begat he us. That means gave us birth with the word of truth. With the word of truth. Well, that means that I should study. Should I not? This word of truth, it says, that ye should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. If you wanted to know what first fruits are, you could go back to the Old Testament and understand what God spoke of as first fruits. And then understand that James, as speaking to the twelve tribes, which are scattered abroad, that would be his brethren, who were the Jews, and God referred to them as a kind of first fruits, but not just as a Jew, but as believers in the Lord Jesus. And in the day of Pentecost, they brought in the first fruits of the harvest, which was the beginning of the church, and so on. I'm just throwing in some of the study I have done prior. And perhaps you have too. But the scriptures connect. There's, there's continuity. There are, there's, uh, as, as James goes down through here, he's, he's speaking of things that they have already have some connection with and perhaps understand. But as we look at the word, we, we apply ourselves to seek out In verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And as I read over that, perhaps I'm thinking back of what took place yesterday or this morning. Or a conversation I might have tomorrow. And here's some instruction that should guide my heart. Lord, help me to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And you could study other places in Scripture where it talks about wrath and anger. and You know, in Proverbs, go not with an angry man. But as you're reading here, you want this to enable you to grow. Okay, so there needs to be personal and practical application as you go through this. That would apply to a character study. Do you need to be more educated about Joseph? Well, you probably know the story well, but for what reason was the story of Joseph in the scriptures? It was for our admonition. And an example, Um, Moses was a man of faith. Abraham was a man of faith. They're listed in Hebrews chapter 11. And we apply ourselves to study their life that we might be instructed. Okay, verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, 
which is able to save your souls. Now this verse, as I would go through this, some of these words would capture my attention as something I don't understand very well. Superfluity is not a word we would use on an ordinary day. And what does he mean by superfluity of naughtiness? Wherefore, lay apart, so this is an instruction, we should lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. So, if I wanted to learn, I, would, I have some Bible helps, and, and I'll just explain very briefly. Some of you may be very familiar with this, but we have available to us a concordance, and Strong's Concordance actually takes all of the verses in the New Testament and applies a number to it, okay? And that number corresponds then... Uh, with the original Greek words. And so you can study a specific word or the meaning of it by looking in a Strong's Concordance and in Strong's Dictionary. It goes with the concordance. And there are several other reference works that, that take those numbers, uh, the same numbering system that Strong's Concordance uses, and you can look up the definition of words. So superfluity, if you were to look that up, you would learn that uh, the general meaning is an excess, something uh, overabundant, an excessive amount uh, of naughtiness. Hmm. Well, again, this is not something that is just you know, right in front of you, understood perhaps, but if you search it out, you find that what he's talking about here is that we should lay aside the overabundance of naughtiness or that which is not good or right. And in its place, we should receive with meekness the engrafted word. Now that word engrafted is connected with you know, grafting into something, or the English word inborn, or that which is there naturally. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. This is what God has placed into your heart by the word of God. He places it there, which is able to save your souls. So, should we study the word of God? Yes. The Word of God is able to save your souls. And as you apply yourself, receive with meekness. I mentioned that we begin with desire. Here is receiving with meekness. Again, talking about that, that working of the heart, the attitude of the heart with which we approach the Scriptures and receive of the Scriptures. Verse 22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And then he goes on, 
Continuing that thought, if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Now the glass, speaking of here, is like a mirror. And if you are sitting here reading your scriptures and you um, have read this verse 19 about being swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, and you, you go over that but have little intent to actually apply that to your life, you're a bit like this man who sees in front of you what should be evident. You, you look in the mirror, and why do we look in the mirror? To see what's there. Is your face dirty? You know, you kind of check things, and, and if, it's, uh, if it's out of order, you fix it. Um, if you do nothing, then what value was it to look there? Uh, you, you just go your way and, and you lose sight of it. So when you look into the Word of God, you're doing it to grow thereby. You've brought desire, and your knowledge is being instructed because you're searching for it, like for hid treasure. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So, the blessing goes to the man who does what he has learned. And Jesus made it plain that we will receive according to what we do with what we have. He said that to him that hath shall be given, and to him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. If you're not going to apply your heart and mind to be changed by what you're reading, there's not much more that you'll receive. You, you will not grow unless you apply your heart. You can look up the meanings of words. You can compare scripture with scripture. And you can grow in knowledge that it has to be coupled with desire and a change. I mentioned... Well, before we go to this, let's... Uh, Let's talk about this gold for a minute. Now, we search for it as for hid treasure, and we saw that there is um, the word of God is more to be desired than fine gold. But then we also looked at the verse that, or it was referred to, where Jesus said. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. Now, you probably understand that when Jesus said that, buying gold, 
He didn't mean coins like I just gave you, did he? No. What other scripture might we compare that to? Well, in Proverbs, there is a verse that says that you should buy the truth and sell it not. So we're comparing a scripture here, the word buy. Buy the truth and sell it not. Now, what market will you go to to actually buy the truth? Well, no, we don't buy that physically. What does that verse mean, and just in simple terms? What does it mean to buy the truth and sell it not? One of you young men want to answer that one? Okay. Use your resources, dig for the hid treasures. You take to yourself truth. It's not a tangible thing, something you can touch with your hands, but you embrace the truth and you don't let it go. Buy the truth and sell it not. So if we're now to buy gold from Christ, you think it's similar? Yes. But here's another lesson now. I mentioned that these coins are not the same. One of those coins is worth $1,900. The other coin is worth $4.95. They're both gold. But there is a vast difference. Now, if you're going to buy gold, the actual gold, you would want to educate yourself, right? Lest you be deceived. But now let's look at that scripture there in in Revelation. It was spoken to the church of Laodicea, which was lukewarm. And... Jesus speaking there said that I will spew thee out of my mouth because thou art lukewarm. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Back to our coin. Uh, Which of you is rich? Okay, so... One is worth a lot of money. The other one is worth very little. Thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. But knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. Now that word tried in the fire is a term that means, speaks to its purification, the real thing. You want the genuine. And he says that thou mayest be rich. Now this is just a physical illustration, but he uses it in the scripture, and this kind of captures our attention when we realize that One is worth an enormous sum of money, and the other is worth very little. But what's the difference? Well, the one that's worth very little 
has only a very thin veneer of gold on the surface. And the rest is very inferior metal. That's the difference. Now, it's not, you may think that's a counterfeit. It's not, strictly speaking, a counterfeit. It is really a copy. And, in fact, if you examine it closely on the back side, you will find the word copy. It's not the real. But if you want to deal in gold, as Jesus spoke of there, buy the real thing from Christ. He says, Buy of me gold tried in the fire. That's one of the reasons why we need to study the word of God. I must give you very quickly a couple of reasons why it's important to study the word of God. In our day, there are, in 2 Peter 3, Peter, speaking about Paul, he said... As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So we need to study and accurately understand the word of God so that we might not be deceived. There are people who will twist the word of God into something that is not true. There are false teachers and false doctrines. And we should be students of the word that we might know the truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. Now back to the verse I spoke of in 2 Timothy 2. If you would turn to that passage... Uh, please do so. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 14 through 18. We spoke about context there, or in our study of principles. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. See, it is possible to strive about words to no profit. You can take a passage of Scripture. You can wrangle with some of the terms and the words, but to no profit. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It would be an interesting study for you to search out what that verse 15 actually means where he uses the term rightly dividing. You could find other scriptures that use similar terms. That would help us understand what he's really saying there. Verse 16, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. You see what can happen with scripture that is misused, misinterpreted, misapplied? It can overthrow the faith of some. 
Let's look at one more passage in the book of Isaiah, chapter 8. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 19. And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and that mutter, should not a people seek unto their God, for the living to the dead, to the law and to the testimony? If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Here the prophet is warning them, they should not seek to those that have familiar spirits. And this is a big subject about those who dabble into occultism and, and other means of trying to understand what God says. And God is not pleased. He says that people that seek to their God, they shall look here to the law and to the testimony. And if it's not according to this word, it's because there is no light in them. That's why it's important, very important to study. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Study to know what God has to say. I think that's probably all we have time to go for. Um, my, there would be a lot more we could we could cover. And while most of what I covered here is very elementary, it's also very important. If you don't have that desire, you will not be fulfilled in your study of the Word of God. I did mention, I think I want to mention yet about commentaries. After you have done your study, uh, it's okay to look at commentaries. I usually kind of do that as the last step in my, if I'm really trying to dig into a, a subject. And there's a reason for that is I do not despise or ignore commentaries because we are not so wise that we know everything, okay? And we can be benefited from other men who have studied and searched out the Word of God. But at the same time, on the flip side of that, we don't need to be intimidated by the theologians and those who have studied and think that God will not reveal to us, to the diligent soul who seeks out His Word, we need not think that such a man or woman will be turned away and unable to understand. So we do receive with meekness the engrafted word. That means with all readiness of mind and humility of mind to receive it. But we also are not intimidated by those who are more learned. Uh, we don't ignore them or or despise what they might know, 
but you can learn to know God. To the law and to the testimony, if it's according to this law, you can understand what God has to say. May the Lord bless you, and I will recall my loan of the coins. Are they still up front here?